We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two pitch, ball line to Yount, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air, Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history! Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center! He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well. And it's gone. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. And me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, Adam, as one of my favorite poets from New Jersey once wrote, oh, we're halfway there, oh, oh, living on a prayer. I was going to sing this to you, but when I've been up for an hour or less, before we do the podcast, my voice is not in prime singing position. So I sat that one out. But we find our way to the halfway point of the Major League Baseball season. We've played 81 games. Well, we haven't. <laughs> it might feel like we have sometimes. <laughs> it feels we'll like play it. 80, we'll play 81 more halfway through the season. A weird series against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, opportunity left on the table. But overall, we've, we've reached an interesting marker on the season. And uh, how you feeling? This is, you know, first baseball season for you. And I think, you know, you're starting to realize it's definitely a grind. Happy 4th of July, everyone. Here we are talking about America's pastime. Andrew's just breaking out Bon Jovi to start. Could we get any more 4th of July than this? If people could see the shirt that Andrew has chosen to wear today. He's ready to start the grill up, get some fireworks going. Uh, I'm I'm burned out right now, Andrew. That's where I am. This this is something that 
I, I was honestly, I don't, it sounds weird to say I was looking forward to this, but I was curious as to what does a baseball season feel like? Because just like, in theory, it sounds completely insane. And I think in reality, it's completely insane. Like, it, it's making me feel like an NBA season is super short and gives like so much free time. Um, <laughs> covering, covering, games every day like watch it that's a lot so it's maybe maybe a conversation we'll dive into around all-star because i think it's interesting for like where baseball is how mlb grows the game what a new fan feels like as opposed to someone like you who just like this is what it is and you you expect it and you want nothing less because it's all you know i i do think it's it's pretty intense to a point where it's like how much are we really learning here? I don't know. Does it have uh, to do this? Because if you're the Reds, like, or you're the Rays, you've got like 15 people at some of your games. So you've got to have 162 of them to make sure you stay afloat. I've no idea, but it, it, it is at that point. And even for the Brewers in this series, there was a bit of a feeling of, okay, well, you know, hitting a little bit of mini wall. Yeah, I think that's, just kind of the nature of the sport. I think what a lot of sports and baseball most specifically is when these game totals were set in stone in whatever year, they weren't necessarily thinking what's best for fan interest and what's best for players' bodies. And I think that's also true in the NBA, just not to uh, the same extent. And I think football was the sport that had got it perfectly right for the longest time. And even now they're probably overreaching, but they're able to do it a little more just because I think, not is weird to get it into like the what where is fandom shifting and well, where has it shifted they, over the they last can 20 stretch years? It, they could stretch it a lot further for fans. And the reason why it is the most popular game is because it's easy for fans once a week. You yeah, know, it's, that's it's, it's you, event. Can, you could watch Thursday, you could watch Monday, but for most teams, most weeks, like okay, well, I'll watch Sunday and what's the late game or the early game? And that's that's pretty straightforward, that's pretty easy. Beyond and that, think... like, and in football, sorry, it was just on that. In baseball, I it takes a toll on players too. Certainly, uh, positions like pitchers. That's it. It doesn't seem ideal, but burning out fans is like that's a really weird thing to have. That's a factor. Like as I said to you, most weeks you could be playing like six to seven days a week, three hour games. You're not, not too far off twenty percent of your waking hours spent watching baseball. If you, and that's only if you're watching one team. If you want to watch all of your team's games, like that is a wild, wild requirement, expectation, of people's times from a sport. Where in football, the problem with stretching out further is, well, players already are so beat up, and there's an element of who wins the Super Bowl can be, well, who's it's true of all sports, but maybe more so in football. Who's got the breaks with health? Like who's the most players I've standing, but in baseball, it's the it's the only sport I've ever come across where it's like, is this too much for fans? Like, how is it realistic to expect people to be able to? And I I think the response, and I know and talked to you before we even started this, before I got in, it's like, eh, you don't have to watch every game. You know, you can check box scores, and that's devaluing your your product too though like it should be if you've got a sport and games are being played they should all be must watch so that's that's kind of a weird spot i think it's 
I, d- I didn't think we we're going to have the conversation laid off, but it is my observation at this point in the season. It's the only sport. There's been a lot in soccer, which I follow very closely, which you do too. A lot of talk coming out of COVID and condensed seasons and now a weird World Cup in Qatar, which is in the winter. So we've got all this congestion. There's been a lot of talk over the past couple of years. It's too much football. It's nonstop. It's not good for players. Fans are burned out. And my response to that is now, go watch baseball and see what see what burned out is or see what a lot of demands in your time. I just, I think it's interesting. And I know all of the, I'm not familiar with the ins and outs on, you know, ideas of shortening the season or if that's even a thing in baseball. I'm very familiar with it from the NBA side. I know the arguments against it, which are financial. I'm sure that's the same here. Yeah, so it's definitely financial because even though viewership may be down or attendance may be down, uh, television advertisers still view baseball as prime real estate and prime content. I mean, you see deals with Peacock, you see deals with Apple TV, these regional sports networks value baseball as a product. And a lot of... so Sorry, just on that though, because I do work for a TV, the sports TV company. I get that. And the most valuable thing about baseball is it is content. Yeah. It is it is filler content because it is on every day. Like, that's why Apple, I think, are dipping their toe into baseball maybe a little quicker than some other sports, and I would not be surprised if they go further because they don't have a whole lot in terms of library they, stuff. They uh, just signed to basically mo- not well, quite... MLS full, deal. Too. Yeah, full encompassing. Uh, and like like you said, just it is something that's on, and that's, that's where it comes into value. And I... It's funny because there's, I love the everyday nature of it. Uh, I watch most games. I Even if I'm only watching part of it or if I'm watching a little bit on my phone, I understand most fans aren't me. And I feel like, like anything, content consumption of baseball is turning into, oh, how am I keeping up with baseball? I'm watching this highlight on my phone. I'm listening to this podcast. So I feel like, and this is, you know, there's still great interest in the game among demographics that – baseball wants to capture but i don't know if they do the best job of like turning that into uh eyes on a tv screen or butts and seats and that's because you literally have to devote six out of seven days a lot of times or 13 out of 14 whatever it is uh brewers i guess they had an off day last monday was it right and they played uh tuesday wednesday in tampa and then they go straight to pittsburgh for four and now it's uh, three with the Cubs, and then their next off day isn't until Thursday. So it's just, it is all encompassing and every day. And I love it because it's something I've grown up with. And like it, it bothers me if there's a Brewers game on and I'm missing it. Like I was telling our friends in the Discord, I was at a family function that had nothing to do with sports. No, TV was off when I got there. I was like, uh, I'm, I'm going to commandeer it. Uh, so put on the Brewers game. And then someone asked me to put on Live Golf, and I got in a big argument. Uh, because I'm a trash person and I must yell whenever my opinion is is threatened. But that being said, it's just like for the longest time watching the Atlanta play baseball was just like what I thought of as the key aspect of my summer day. And now it's the Brewers. And I it's it's clear but that that's, that's not for everyone. No, but it's your number one sport. Like it is the sport you care most about really always have it's the sport you're most invested it's your number one sport that's fine it's not a coincidence we're having this conversation now for example and uh key to acknowledge i'm coming at this from a very different place to everyone else people listen are probably like, you just don't watch all the games we're doing a brewers podcast so that, that's not how it works you know and 
that's also not how I work. You know, I want to be as all over it as possible. But in a week like this one, for example, and this is just, it's the kind of thing that Major League Baseball is going to come up against. Like this was NBA draft was last week, 10 days, then free agency. Obviously everyone listening here knows that I'm very much dedicated to the books and cover the books as well. So that takes a lot of attention over the past week. We've done all sorts of stuff. Then, you know, I've got interests outside of sports generally. Uh, I have a job, a full-time job. And it's like all of that, like that's, I, I made this comment to you privately as kind of a quip, but I do think it's true. It's that like, it is not the 1930s anymore. Like baseball is competing for people's attention with Netflix, with all streaming, let alone the access to all sports that wasn't there before. And it's still acting like with a schedule this long, this relentless, like it's the only show in town. And that has obviously hurt the level of interest, the level of attendance, the viewing figures over time. It's only going to get much, much worse, though. Like, it is a general problem with excluding the NFL with American sports, with North American sports, like the NHL, NBA, history league baseball too many games but obviously major league baseball takes that to another extreme and there will be times and you know next week i could be like you know what i love the everyday nature of it i have a quieter week with work i've less other stuff going on but i think that's a problem it's a problem that you you aren't holding your audience's attention captive at all times that is even something we can say where it's just like yeah you know you could just you just watch the box score for for that. You don't need to watch all the games. It's like if you don't need to watch all the games, there's too many games. I think that has long been the argument for the NBA, which is a schedule that is half as long as MLB. So look, maybe maybe we'll kind of talk through some general impressions uh, from me, new Major League Baseball fan around the break. It could be an interesting part, but that's just kind of my take on it is you hit these spells and it's like, it's a lot of games. It's like, I've watched this again and again and again. And it's not that I don't enjoy watching. Like I, I really like watching the Brewers, but it's a lot. It's a lot in terms of what the schedule is asking. And I lap it up like a, a cat with milk out of a saucepan. Uh, the one thing we know we're building towards is major league baseball's best product. And that's when we reach October for the playoffs. So we'll get there eventually. We're halfway there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Uh, Brewers with an interesting series against the Pirates. Uh, A little bit of opportunity left on the table to really start to extend their lead in the NL Central. Um, But like we said, kind of the dog days of summer already and just uh, teams across baseball. kind of putting up uh, weird results from time to time. The St. Lu- or San Francisco Giants, for example, are kind of in a tailspin, which is beneficial to the Brewers. But game one of the series, Adrian Hauser versus JT Brubaker. Um, Hauser with another tough outing, two and a third innings pitch, three earned runs, uh, five hits, one walk, no strikeouts, two homers allowed. And we kind of got some indication uh, maybe why Adrian Hauser has been struggling re- recently. He left the uh, – game with an elbow injury it's been diagnosed as an elbow flexor strain um so nothing structurally wrong according to craig council so he'll be on the il start throwing again in a couple weeks and they said that he will start uh he will be expected to contribute again this year go ahead i was just gonna ask do we believe that this is my question every time something like this comes up that obviously didn't seem great when it happened and even some of those designations are concerning and I think you even said he has had Tommy John surgery before. So there is there is a history there. Like, do you believe that it will be as straightforward as that? And oh yeah, he'll he'll be pitching again and he'll be a few weeks. Like I, because I know it's hard named, to know, but do you believe them? Because they've named the injury, yes. If it was still left elbow discomfort or less left elbow or right elbow, sorry, right elbow soreness, then then I would uh put on my tinfoil hat but uh there's a lot of vagueness about injuries (laughs) lately but uh i i think uh unless we get some news like like miguel sanchez they're calling it i think ucl soreness or whatever that is very concerned ucl discomfort sorry that's pretty uh disconcerting flexor strain uh seems pretty straightforward who knows you know, we, we need to get Rohan to look at the MRI and then, oh, and then we'll know a little bit more. Don't. We don't need him to get into another team's, you know, medical designations. It's it's tough enough for him out there as it is, trying to keep it all together, just dealing with the books injury reports. On Hauser, if it turns out to be not all that major then, do you think there's a chance that he could benefit just from some time off and a bit of a reset? because he has not really had it like this this could be a blessing in disguise even in a way like that we've seen with brandon woodruff like he was 
we'll talk about later, but his comeback's looking really good and probably could, like, again, congested off-season and everything, um, or condensed off-season. He may be benefited from some time, just not having to grind through when he didn't exactly have it, and Hauser hasn't exactly had it and has been grinding through. Yeah, I think it's uh, evidence of something that'll be interesting to see across baseball because, like you said, that condensed spring training, their guy's just going to start, A, racking up injuries at this point in the season because they never really got that full spring to stretch out and they were doing that during the season, or B, is there a wall of fatigue that some guys are hit are going to hit, especially younger guys who aren't used to pitching this volume of innings. Hauser is not that, but um, that definitely could have been a factor. And I think, like you said with Woodruff, it could – could only help that if he comes back fully healthy and he's also gotten that rest and especially mentally as well. I mean, that's another aspect of this in a long grind of a baseball season when you're not having it, just going on to the, the mound every fifth, fifth day can be uh, kind of psychologically stressful as well. So be interested to see how long he's out and what he looks like when he comes back, obviously wish him all the best and a recovery, quick recovery. Uh, this was kind of a back and forth game at the beginning, I guess all the way through, uh, Pirates 6-7 shortstop. O'Neill Cruz got the story scoring started off in the second with a homer. Uh, then Josh Swinski would hit a homer to make it 3-0 Pirates. And that was all the damage done off of Hauser Jack Swinski, actually. I don't know why I thought his name was Josh. I was thinking of Josh Van Meter, who's their position player, who likes to come in and pitch sometime, uh, which will come up a little bit later. Um, the Brewers answered, fought back in the third and fourth inning, a yelly triple Score Chase Peterson, Adamas ground out, scores Yelich, Narvaez double to deep right. It's 3-3 after four. Um, and then in the sixth inning is where this one really got away um, from the Brewers. A um, Before that, actually, a Michael Perez two-run homer in the fourth to make it 5-3. The Brewers would cut it to 4-5 to five on an RBI ground out by Luis Arias. And then in the sixth and the eighth, uh, Perez homer again in the sixth, again in the eighth. Michael Perez, a... I think by all accounts, backup catcher who after this game was still just hitting 169, 213, 371, goes four for four, five RBI, three runs, three homers. So a large degree of what went wrong in this game is that Michael Perez turned into prime Babe Ruth for one game. Uh, in the ninth, the, the Brewers would start a rally and Adamas double scores Peterson. Uh, rowdy ground out scores Yelich. Colton Wong on a weird infield single after one of the worst strike calls I've ever seen in my entire life uh, drives in a run to make it eight, seven. And then the Brewers just aren't able to get it done completely. Um, Luis Arias, I think made the final out of the game there. Um, yeah. Just kind of a weird back and forth game that was really lost via the, the home run ball. Uh, another aspect of this game, Craig council tried Jason Alexander out of the bullpen again, and it was, for the second straight time, not a great result. Two innings pitch, three hits, two runs, all of them earned, two strikeouts, gave up a homer. It's clear, I think, to everyone now, he's his role is best served out of the rotation, and bringing him in in kind of these middle to late innings is, is not ideal. Um, yeah, just the game where every pitcher allowed an earned run, and the offense fought back admirably, but it just wasn't enough, and uh, kind of a, a lost opportunity there to – to get a win against a bad team and God knows what got into Michael Perez because <laughs> that was an incredible did, performance from a guy who's not very good. Well, do you, were you aware of the, the stat, the historical stat to go with his performance? 
Um, probably not because I probably blacked it out of my brain so, because so this came from uh, at stats by stats on Twitter. Uh, Michael Perez of the Pirates entered today's game with a 129 average this season and proceeded to three home runs. That's the lowest season batting average a player has had entering a three home run game in MLB history. Minimum 75 at bats prior to the game. Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> but but I mean, good for that guy. That was that was an impressive performance and. O'Neill Cruz, whose numbers still haven't gotten to a great point, uh, despite him having great moments in in this series, he's still overall struggling. He looks like he's going to be an absolute stud. I mean, he's a six seven shortstop with a rocket arm. Seems like he moves around pretty well in, in the field, despite his size, and he hits for a lot of power. So he's gonna he be looks like an NBA the- player. He, the chase down he had, where he got he got Colton on his way to. Yep. So I don't play. I, and the, the commentary was like, look at his wingspan. And they're right. His wingspan was what got him that, which is not something I've spent too much time considering. Obvious uses, too. Um, but he, yeah, reminded me of an NBA player. He looked very impressive. I did think they were going to win this game. I'll be honest. You um, told me that. When when the three, three runs went in and Pirates really seemed to lose it. So it was frustrating to Colton. Just couldn't couldn't get another run over. Um, but yeah, when Michael Perez goes, see four was four for four, three homers, yep. five RPI. What are you going to do about that? Yeah, I mean, if they've got like master pirate ship points, I think he's earned it. Or Right, if he he gets to raise the Jolly Roger flag, that's bonus Buccaneer bounty or something. Yeah, yeah. Something like bonus that, yeah. Buccaneer bounty. I like that a lot. That's great. I'm I'm gonna. I think I think you're you need to be in copywriting. You kind of are. I don't know. Um, game two was the best game of this series from a Brewers perspective, and it was a lot to keep up with. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try and do this quickly because we don't have all day. Uh, I need to these uh these burgers aren't gonna grill themselves. Um, Corbin Burns on the mound wasn't his sharpest but he didn't need to be yet. He still battled to not really give the pirates anything to work with six innings pitch, one hit one earned run four walks, five strikeouts. Uh, this is another marker of an ace. I always tell you about how Corbin's an ace when he goes out there in a situation where they need him to be dominant and he does it. <coughs> Excuse me. The cough is still here. Um, but he also being able to battle through when you don't have your best stuff and you might be fighting to keep it in the zone and still limiting the damage that an offense can do uh, still is impressive. The seven psychologically for the pirates and probably for Burns, a seven run second inning by the Brewers helped. Um, I mean, this game was an offensive explosion, seven runs in the second four in the, or two in the fourth, eight in the eighth, two in the ninth, 19 runs in the game, 16 hits. Uh, we had home runs from Victor Caratini, Willie Adamas, Rowdy Telez, uh, Luis Arias and Keston Hira. Doubles from McCutcheon, Wong, and Telez, Arias, and Brasso. And just an absolute dominant performance with the offense. And the inning that that really stands out in my mind was an absolutely brutal one, which is when uh, Pirates manager Derek Shelton let a rookie, I know he's an older rookie, named Cam View, I think is his name, throw over 50 pitches and allow eight runs, seven of them earned, walked three guys, 56 pitches was when he got out of it. Just like absolute baseball malpractice, 
that that is talk- literally the opposite extreme of what the Brewers have done in protecting Eaton Small. Yeah, I mean, you you watched uh, last week in uh, in uh, the the Rays Pirates game. Uh, Kevin Cash removed Shane Boz with like ninety three pitches, one or two outs in the fifth when he was really rolling, and and you're like, wow, maybe a little too. Maybe too quick with the hook. Let the kid figure it out and get out of the inning. Meanwhile, Derek Shelton's like, if he dies, he dies. <laughs> like, it's just absolutely crazy. But uh, feel bad for that guy. Uh, <laughs> there, there were like apologies from Shelton the next day. I think the GM, Ben Sherrington, like also apologized. I was like, what are you going to do? Run to the dugout and like tackle Derek Shelton? Uh, just a wild turn of events there. But really fun to watch the. Brewers basically play home run derby and double derby. I mean, uh, Andrew McCutcheon with a great day of getting on base against his uh, former team, three for six with two runs scored. Telez was two for five, two runs. Overall, a tough series for him. Five RBI in that game. Will, <coughs> God, how are we going to do this? We're not going to be able to do this podcast uh, long-term. People are, used, people are used to it. <sighs> if anyone out there knows of any good cough medicine, hit me up. Uh, Willie Adamas, two for six, three runs, four RBI. Uh, Luis Arias, two for four, two runs, two RBI. I think he had a pair of walks in there as well. Just everybody lived on base. Even Keston Cura got in on the action with a homer and also another hit, drove in one run. Uh, then Mike Brasso, he of the zero ERA, throws a scoreless, hitless ninth inning. I think the only base runner reached via an error. Uh, just a full-on smackdown of the Pittsburgh Pirates. And uh, uh, so the teams combined for 21 runs in this game, 19 of them for the Brewers. The other three games in the series, the Brewers combined for 13 runs. So the Brewers got more than half of their runs in the series in a single game. That'll help the old run differential. Yeah, it definitely does. It- how did you do you say it's that that uh pirates pitcher view is that what you i don't i have no idea how it's pronounced i i'm well see i I feel like it might be pronounced but there's a but there's an american pronunciation probably of it anyway that guy he pitched more than any other pirates pitcher and he played one inning that is just brutal that is so so brutal um yeah uh fun game i couldn't see this one live i wasn't I was out and about at the time, and that was very upsetting because you don't want to miss the Brewers putting up 19 runs because it's always a question of how many games they're going to take after that for them to get 19 runs cumulatively. Um, so it's it's tough to miss out on that. A lot, a lot of guys who are delivering, though, stepped up and delivered, which is like the Brewers have some guys who are hitting it very well right now, even though they're in this series, a couple of lower scoring games. Guys are hitting it well. If the opportunity arises, like games like this are out there for them at the moment. So not a bad thing if that can keep going. Um, they have a nice mix between guys like Kutch and Yelly who are just hitting very reliably, getting on base. And then guys like Rowdy and Willie who and uh, Luis recently too, who are coming up with some power and, and actually driving home homers. So nice, nice kind of mix there. And it all clicked here. Maybe it all didn't need to click here and we could have saved some for some other games, but it is a sign of there is some good things with the Brewers offense at the moment. And these kind of games are out there, which hasn't necessarily been the case all throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I I think once you cross over uh, 12 runs scored in a baseball game, anything you score past that, you should be able to distribute to the next game of the series. So you start the next game with like a 5 nothing lead. I don't actually believe this, but that would be fun. Um, the third game of the series on Saturday marked the return of Aaron Ashby to the rotation coming off the IL. Uh, mixed bag in his performance because there were moments where he looked really good when he was missing bats, six strikeouts and three and two thirds innings, uh, five hits, four runs, all of them earned, uh, the home run from Michael Chavis in the third and the home run from O'Neill Cruz in the fourth being the damage that was done. This was a game where the Brewers got, uh, started off scoring early Colton Wong single in the first scored Christian Yelich. And then the homers, uh, or the RBI ground out from Brian Reynolds in the third, the, homer from Michael Chavis and the homer from O'Neill Cruz put them down a uh, Christian Yelich homer in the fifth uh, a nice sign of things from him he had two extra base hits in the series a homer and a triple very encouraging uh, then old friend Dan Vogelbach singles in the fifth to score Cabrian Hayes and Brian Reynolds uh, Castillo double to center scores Vogelbach at that point the game 7-2 in the fifth inning and uh, the game was it felt done from there. The Brewers would rally a bit in the eighth. The Colton Wong homer makes it 7-3, and then a Jace Peterson double scores Luis Arias to make it 4-7. Get to a point there where in the eighth, maybe you have a chance to uh, continue that clawback, but they just don't get it done. And from there, uh, it's over. David Bednar closes down the ninth, and that's that. Just kind of a game that uh, got lost in the middle innings due to, uh, again, in the series, both for – the Brewers and the Pirates, modern baseball, when things are going really right, it's because uh, they're hitting homers. Uh, Trevor got a uh, tough outing for him, one inning pitch, two runs, both of them earned two walks and a strikeout. Uh, Hobie Milner tried to get out of the damage, it ended up allowing an uh, entered run as well. And then Chichi Gonzalez, who I think in this situation did what w- would be his primary role on this roster, which is to eight innings when things aren't going well. He goes three innings, two hits, no runs, two strikeouts. So spared some of the other bullpen guys there. Uh, Bryce Wilson on the mound for the Pirates, uh, former Atlanta Brave. He's uh, grew up around kind of where I live. Um, so local North Carolina guy has really struggled this year. And he came out and really limited the damage against the Brewers, scattered eight hits across six innings, two runs, both earned, one walk, four strikeouts. Um, and then, uh, what's his first name? Chase DeYoung, that's right. Uh, ended up being the guy where the, the Brewers were able to to get to a little bit and try and claw back, but didn't didn't work out from there. And then, like I said, Bednar nails down the save. Uh, another day of watching O'Neill Cruz and being impressed, despite it being only one homer day. This was the game as well where he made that nice chase down tag, I believe, or, or was this the – on us just a double play. I can't remember. O'Neill Cruz yeah, no, is going to O'Neill Cruz is going to terrify me. Basically, is what I'm saying. But uh, my my uh, my crush who goes to another school, Brian Reynolds, with a hit and a walk. <laughs> so uh, the Pirates just getting the job done and uh, just tough day, and makes you wonder where Ashby's role in this team moves forward because of the injuries in the rotation. It seems like he'll be there to stay. Um, I've got a solution. Ethan Small. Well, I would welcome that. I mean, this isn't a solution entirely because 
we still got the the Chichi Gonzalez of it all and what they're doing. Ashby looked great in a in a bullpen role, like multiple innings bullpen role. He looked really really good. You know who looks terrible in that role? Chase Alexander. Let's swap the roles around. Like I, I think uh, that's that's one thing that would seem to play more to the two guys' strengths. Now with Ashby, he's just back. This always had the potential to be a tough one. Mainly, it's good to get him out there, but you would have liked him to get out of to get four innings in at least uh, to get more than sixty-two pitches. Maybe it is just getting up to speed, but I I do think that's very much even like not to put stock in his record. He's a one and six record on the season now, though. It it probably does point to something about his usage as much as anything else, too. In the bullpen, I liked him early in the season, though. So if they didn't have now the Hauser injury to deal with as well, like I don't think they have the luxury to do that, unfortunately, unless yeah. they bring Ethan Small up and they work him back into a starting spot. Yeah, exactly. I think for the time being, um, Alexander and Ashby will be in the rotation. So unless Ethan Small gets another shot, <coughs> I think they'll give him a chance to keep going out there. Um, but yeah, not not his best day. Obviously, first game back from the IL, Craig was uh, uh, careful with him. I, I think he at sixty two pitches, he probably could have uh, stayed out there a little longer and seen if he could kind of eat a few more innings, but was not to be. So game two or game three, a seven four loss after a nineteen two win in the first game or the second game, and then a eight seven win loss in game one. God, I'm all over the place. It's it's just, I've just got too much America flowing through my blood. I'm ready to <laughs> like get out and like shotgun a PBR. Um, game four, the final game of the series on Sunday. <sighs> like I said. About a year ago, on the streets of Atlanta, all you got to say is Bucks and Six. Here I say all you got to say is Brandon Woodruff. His second start back from the IL stint, six innings pitch, six hits, eight strikeouts, no runs allowed. Uh, Brewers get a, two runs and an Omar Narvaez home run in the fifth inning, and that was that. You go Woodruff, Boxberger for a scoreless inning, Devin Williams for a scoreless inning, Josh Hader for a scoreless inning. That's a 2 nothing Brewers win, and they leave Pittsburgh with a 2-2 split. Uh not much to say about that. Pittsburgh scattered nine hits, but wasn't able to get anything across uh, the plate. Woodruff limited the damage. Bullpen limited the damage. Let's uh, let's pack up the plane and let's go home. No walks allowed through two games for Woody. Very, very welcome and a very positive sign coming back. Yeah, that was something that I think it started to kind of rear its head with him beginning of the season. Uh, you, if, like I'm looking here at his game log. Uh just like very much start season. So first game, three walks, then one walk, then two walks and two walks, no walks, two walks, two walks. So pretty, pretty walky. Rare to not have um, any walks for him up until that point. In fact, he'd only had two games prior to the injury where he hadn't walked someone. So to come back and be two for two in preventing a walk, very, very good sign. Nicey Omer hit a homer. It's been a while. Um, very welcome, obviously, being the, the deciding factor in this case, but good to see that come along. But interesting wrinkle again. Touched on at the end of the last pod. Hader hasn't got it right now. Um, and 
he is just still dealing with stuff, getting saves and holding on to games, which is good to see. And it's it's not a bad idea for him to have to, not that it's by design, not that he has decided I'm going to test myself. This is so boring, but he's facing a lot more trouble recently and he's getting out of it with not all that much fuss in the end. And that's encouraging. Like it, that, that could be really important come playoffs not to cast the mind back to what went wrong for him last year. Yeah, uh, absolutely. He's lowered his ERA to its lowest point of the season so far. Same with his whip. Um, and very encouraged. I was sorry. I was speaking back to Woodruff. Um, yeah. Hater <laughs> hater um, being able just like Burns like in the, the game I mentioned when he doesn't have it still being able to nail down that save. And then for Woodruff, like I said, his lower to ZRA down to his lowest point of the season, his whip down to the lowest point of the season. Uh, really nice, uh, positive trends there for Woodruff. And with Hayter, it's, are you worried, oh, this is a sign of bad things to come? Or is it more likely where I'm thinking it, where he's going to get right before it actually leads to anything damaging? Because that's just how good he is. Uh, overall, a six, uh, four and two road trip at Tampa and Pittsburgh. So not bad. Uh, reading an article by Todd Rosiak, uh, the, uh, the offense was actually pretty good, um, especially in meaningful situations. 16 for 52 with runners in scoring position. That's a 308 average. Um, you'll take that. They hit 14 homers across the series, which was the third most in the major leagues behind, or, or now are tied for third in the major leagues with the most being Houston at 113. Uh, team slugging percentage for 16, 7th in baseball. So even though this offense can be inconsistent, it's clear they can perform. Uh, so I don't know. Despite the disappointment of splitting two with Pittsburgh, I actually think this team's in a really good spot. Um, I, I, I think you go out and you sweep the useless Cubs and you put yourself in, in a really good spot. One thing I want to touch on before we get to Master Brew points and something that uh, – kind of has me pondering is uh sunday uh, he didn't play but sunday marked the return to the active roster of pedro severino a catcher who was suspended for ped usage at the beginning of the year tyron taylor goes to the seven day concussion il um to make the open roster spot obviously once tyron's back uh he's not going to be the one that's going down because then you would have only one player on the roster and jonathan davis can play center field tyron's going to be your regular center fielder until something happens at the trade deadline or doesn't happen. Uh, so really interesting to see how they play this. I know in some of his uh, comments, council said they'll get him time at DH against lefties. He'll spell guys at catcher. Uh, they tried him out at first base in the minors. Council noted that that's not going to be like a major option for them to start out, but it may be something they do. I really don't love the idea of rostering three catchers. Uh, it's a waste of time. Yeah. And but like, it's the roster spot. Like, I know that that's really obvious. Caratini's been great. Like, so there's there's no reason for this. Like, Severino's not going to be there for the playoffs. So just don't waste your time with it. And the obvious names, like the guys that you would think will be eventually going down to create that full time roster spot for Severino, if that's what they're going to do, would be like a, a Keston Hira or like a Brasso. And Keston, while he flummoxes us and frustrates us with like the inconsistency of his bat and the strikeouts, he's got a better career OPS plus than Severino. Mike Brasso's 
got the highest OPS on the team right now. Like if you're creating a mainly DH roster spot for a guy with a career OPS plus of 81, I mean, he, his OPS was 690 last year. I know he hit 11 homers. He's a, for catcher standard. He's a pretty competent offensive player, but you've already got two above average offensive catchers this season. And you've got much better DH options on the team. Doesn't make a lot of sense for me. Maybe it's an audition to find a spot for him for a team that just like needs innings to finish out the year at catcher because they're just so terrible there. I think the Yankees seem to would be a really good fit. They've got Jose Trevino as their starter. Then Kyle Higashioka is absolutely terrible as their backup. Trade for him, and then when you, you can play. You not need to find a non-playoff team really, though. Uh, you really need to find a non-playoff team, but the Yankees are just one specific example that makes so much sense because once they get to the playoffs, they're just going to play Trevino every day and call up Higashioka. So I'm trying to project this onto them. But w- what it would really be is a bad team uh, with, like, literally no catchers because of injuries. I, I do not, like, comb the internet for, like, whose catchers hurt. So I don't have one off the top of my head. The Yankees were just one that stood out just because of how absolutely putrid their backup catcher is at the plate. But uh, nevertheless, I just don't see the point in it, but it seems like it's going to happen. So here you go. Moving on to the Master Brewer leaderboard. Um, Coming into today, uh, looking at the series, there are two guys on this list that I knew were going to be there, and they were. Number one, Brandon Woodruff, six innings pitch, six hits, zero zero runs, eight strikeouts. Uh, Corbin Burns, six innings pitch, one run, one hit, four walks, five strikeouts. Uh, great performance from him, even though he wasn't at his sharpest. Christian Yelich continues to get on base. Five for 15, six runs, a triple, three RBI, a homer, uh, three walks. I, I mean, just the leadoff role really seems to be suiting him. And now he's maybe starting to get a little more power back into his game. A couple of extra base hits. We'll see. Andrew McCutcheon loves being back home in Pittsburgh. Um, eight for 13, three runs, three doubles. Colton Wong, five for 16, four runs, four RBI, two doubles, a homer. Luis Arias, three runs, three RBI, one home run, one double, two walks. And then Jace Peterson, five for 11, two runs, an RBI, three doubles. Leaderboard through 81 games. Rowdy Telez remains the leader with 12. Corbin Burns behind him with 10. Christian Yelich has settled in with nine. Jace Peterson sitting at eight. Josh Hader at seven. Willie Adamas and Andrew McCutcheon with six. Tyron Taylor, Devin Williams, Hunter Renfro with five. Luis Arias, Colton Wong, Brandon Woodruff with four. Hobie Milner, Jason Alexander, Aaron Ashby, Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer with three. Brad Boxberger, Victor Garatini, Omar Narvaez, Adrian Alzer, Kessing Hero with two. Jonathan Davis, Trevor Gott, Luke Barker, Peter Shreslecki with one. That is your leaderboard update through 81 games. We're halfway there. Can anyone catch Rowdy? I don't know. It's going to be tough. Looking ahead. I want to make one comment on that. One comment. Christian Yelich is up to third on the Master Brew leaderboard. I just just think it's interesting, given all of the conversation around them and the ups and downs of the season. Um, He does lead the Brewers in both hits and walks, which, again, points to the fact he is living on base. Availability is also a factor here, and certainly... I think him, him and Rowdy have had the benefit of that where basically no one else on the team. Uh, Corbin has too. So the top three are also some of the only guys who we've got to see really consistently. But just worth noting that Yelly into third and like only one behind Corbin, 
three behind Rowdy. There is a level of consistency there that is backed up also in a key couple of areas. He is not MVP Yelly, but he is delivering very consistently with solid production for the Brewers. Yeah, he's he gets on base. It's the meme come to life, and it is nice to see him. Like, what was the phrase that Council said a few weeks ago? And he's just trying to find a different level of greatness or something like that. And, you know, his numbers aren't great, but what he's doing, especially in this new role, is exactly what's asked of him. And, and you know, with the way things could have gone as he's trying to, like, find himself again, I think this is trending in a positive direction. And he remains just an absolutely killer base runner. Yes, he he's he's very good. One of the, like one of the best base runners that I've ever seen. When without like saying, "Oh, he's lightning quick," yeah. he's not the fastest base runner, but he's fast enough and he's smart as hell. Like he's he's not going to steal a base unless he knows he can make it. Um, kicking off this next stretch of baseball as we journey through the waters, uh, and you know, Adam tries to keep from sinking. I'm a big metaphor guy. Uh, today, July 4th, America's birthday. Woohoo. For our 310 Central start at home against the Chicago Cubs, Eric Lauer against Justin Steele. I'm sick of Justin Steele. We've seen enough of him. <laughs> uh, Tuesday, July 5th, 710 Central start. Jason Alexander versus Kyle Hendricks. Then Wednesday, 110 Central start. Businessman special. Corbin Burns will take the mound, facing off against Adrian Sampson to wrap up that series. And then Revenge is a dish best served over at rice. home <laughs> and at home. I thought we were Pirates... going somewhere different. I was trying to help you out there. I was like, oh, has he got this? No, I was at first I was going to make uh, I was going to say over noodles because I got in my mind in that moment. I got the Reds and the Pirates food uh, confused. Skyline Chili, Cincinnati, uh, Pittsburgh. They put French fries on sandwiches, which I've got no mm. complaints there. Um yeah, so a day off on Thursday after three with the Cubs, then three more with Pittsburgh. The Friday night game is going to be my first Apple TV experience. I've heard a lot about these broadcasts. Apparently, people I don't, don't like I don't it. even know if I can access that game. That's my question with that. Well, I got you. I'm a, I'm a, sadly, I, I'm a 162 guy. I don't know if that shows up on Apple TV Plus here. I don't know if they've got US only. It'll get blocked out on MLB TV, given I had to watch whatever that uh who's that against it was the reds when yelly went for the cycle that youtube game yes. i had to watch that on youtube so i'm assuming i will have to watch this on apple tv plus but i don't know if it's available there interesting uh i want to extend out a little further just briefly because we are very close to the all-star break uh so after the three against the pirates at home it's two in minnesota um similar to the rays series that we just had and then four in san francisco before the all-star break. So I think uh, we've got two definites on the all-star team, Burns and Hader. Devin Williams probably has an outside shot as well that they just tend to not reward non-closers with all-star game bursts, but Devin's about as, I mean, Devin and Boxberger, honestly, are about as deserving as a reliever can be. Um, but we're getting close. We're getting close to some time off. I will be watching the all-star game. I don't know that Adam will. I think he needs a break. No, to I, watch think I, I think I'll watch the all-star game. I mean, I've never seen it before, so I think that is something I will check out. Here's something I really want to speak into existence. Rowdy Tellez home run derby. Oh, 
Okay. You've got me you've got me interested in watching baseball during the break now. Uh if it happens. I gotta speak it into existence. But uh despite the the split against Pittsburgh, uh the Brewers find themselves in a really good spot, I think. Two games up on the St. Louis Cardinals, 46 and 35. Um I don't know. They're they need to take advantage of the Cubs and Pirates again through this week, continue to kind of or start to double down on beating the teams they know they're better than. Uh, to update the, what are we calling it? The Standrewings? Yes, half a game. Yeah, half a game. The Braves are at 46 and 34. It's going to be a battle all season. Jose um, Fast, this is a big day for Andrew, you know? For July, is there a better way for Andrew to spend it than getting angry one way or another at the Chicago Cubs and possibly overtaking the Braves and the Standrewings? And as I said on the last podcast, I know that functionally and, and before I was in this Brewers journey, I hated the Cardinals more than almost any baseball team just because they got the best fans in baseball shtick. And they, uh, I don't know, they're just like the most pretentious group of people ever. They're like, oh, they'll, they'll cheer for a sacrifice bump because these fans just know baseball. I'm like, cool, nerds. Uh, so functionally, I do hate the Cardinals uh, more right now because I know I need to. But I don't know. It's, it's something about the Cubs now, too. It's just like I want I want them to be Charlie Brown with the football and the Brewers to be Lucy. And three wins this week would help me accomplish that. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, that's all we've got for, for this week. Uh, I've, won, I've one the, question for you based on what you put out into the world. Is there any chance at all of Rowdy in the home run derby? He's currently 21st in Major League Baseball home runs. This isn't like the dunk contest, to my understanding, where all of the the real deal guys are just gonna be like, "Nah, not doing that." Like they show up, don't they? It depends because, like, guys that have been in it a bunch and are kind of just like, "All right, I'm done with that." That's an extent. Like, I think Vlad's not gonna do it this year, um, because he was banged up early in the season. Pete Alonso just makes this his whole career, so like, that's like (laughs) he's definitely gonna be there. But I don't know. Like in terms of the and when, when do when numbers, do the decisions get made? Like if we get if we could get a burst of homers here for Rowdy, could he force himself into it? Do you think it should be it should be coming up? Yeah, I would think uh, the last week or so before this Pirate series had done a lot to kind of raise his standing in people's minds. Uh, I don't know. I think he's just. I think it would just be such a good move, and maybe I'm biased because I watch him play every day of my life, but such a joyous personality and you know a big uh teddy bear of a guy like that's made for tv why would you not want him in the home run derby you know i'm all in let's let's get rowdy as much spotlight as possible i'm sorting names to see like who i think he should jump uh there's a lot of good guys in here there's a lot of really good guys this is why i was like hmm I can't see like Arenado doing it. <coughs> um, CJ Cron's not famous enough. Stanton probably doesn't want to do it. Christian Walker. There's there's some cuts to be made. Patrick Wisdom, of course not. Who the hell cares about Patrick Wisdom? Uh, Marcelo Zuna, definitely not. Brandon Drury. Ooh, Willie's tied with him at sixteen. Willie, yeah, Willie probably, is pro- probably not going to put. Uh, uh, Willie probably doesn't get the respect around baseball for the power hitter he's become. Like he absolutely mashes, especially for a shortstop. Uh, yeah, they're not a great chance, but maybe an outside chance. Like, I doubt Trout's gonna do it. 
Anthony Rizzo, probably not. Uh, so, so you've put it out there and you're telling me there's not really much of a chance. You've just... Well, I'm looking at you this. You give me something to cut- get disappointed about. I'm cutting away names. And I'm just like, please, Mr. Commissioner. I don't know who picks, actually. But <laughs> please, please, baseball world at large. Give the people what they want. And by the people, I mean me. It's me. I'm people. All right. That does it for now. Make sure you subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast, Cruising for a Bruising. You'll get all of our future episodes. You should subscribe to Substack, gspn.substack.com. That way, you'll get bits and pieces of articles and the brewers and the books. You'll get our Master Brewer leaderboard updates with Andrew's write-ups on the guy's awarded points in every given episode. GSPN.info is a place to get all of your information on all things Eurostep Podcast Network, whether it's to go to the merch store, gspnstore.com, um, and support our pod or win at six, Eurostep, just the whole GSPN crew. Get all your details there. We're on Twitter at BrewersGSPN. I'm at AdamEgee11, Andrew's at AC Snide. Happy 4th of July, everyone. Until next time, thanks again for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.